is your name, please? My name is Johnston McCulley. Now, please listen while I read this affidavit. I, Johnston McCulley, have been a writer for over 50 years. After finishing school, I entered the newspaper field. I eventually gave up newspaper work to devote full time to fiction writing. My most famous novel was written in 1920 and was twice made into a motion picture. The main character is now the subject of a television series. I am the creator of Zorro. Signed, Johnston McCulley. should hear the things that she says. She says, I'm drop dead. I'd rather go to bed with Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Cuddle up with Robertson Davies. Leave on the light for Jane Rule. I've been flirting with Pia Burton and Pia Burton's no fool. I like to go out dancing. My baby loves a bunch of authors. My heart's a broken bleeding. Baby just sitting there doing some reading. Hello, and welcome everyone to the Mirror Factory. I'm your foreman, Max Romero. Joining me today for this special Zorro Month episode that's part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network is fellow network host Ryan Daly. Welcome to the factory, Ryan. Meal mush and goat's milk, Max. <laughs> that sounds appetizing, doesn't it? <laughs> I've never heard that expression before. I'm not entirely sure what it means, but it's it's it's, it's like the last line of Zorro. So. Oh, my. But it sounds so insulting. Yeah. It's, it's almost, I mean, I, it's almost it's that to by me. inference, like, you can tell what it means, but <laughs> I'd, I'd be, I would not be happy. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so as you might have guessed, we are going to be talking Zorro uh, and specifically, we're going to be talking about the Mark of Zorro, the first book about Zorro uh, written by original author Johnston McCulley. And Zorro would go on to be uh, McCulley's most famous creation. Zorro made his first appearance on August 9th, 1919, which is 101 years ago, in the first of a five-part series titled The Curse of Capistrano in the pulp magazine All Story Weekly. The Curse of Capistrano was later published as a single collection titled The Mark of Zorro, which is what we're going to be talking about today, in 1924. Publishers recognized the Caballero's popularity, especially after the incredibly successful movie The Mark of Zorro, starring megastar Douglas Fairbanks, which premiered in 1920, and the Wiley Fox has been a part of the popular culture in the United States and internationally ever since. Zorro inspired two remakes of The Mark of Zorro, one in 1940, famously starring Tyrone Power, and another in 1974, starring Frank Langella. Throughout the years, there have been a string of Zorro movies, some good, some bad, and most recently, a two-movie franchise featuring Antonio Banderas, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Odin himself, Anthony Hopkins. Zorro also had a career on television with the Disney-produced series starring Guy Williams, which still holds a special place in the heart of an entire generation. The dashing terror of the Camino Real hasn't strayed too far from its pulp roots and has appeared in, in anthologies, comics, and, of course, novels. The most well-known is probably the simply titled Zorro by Isabel Allende. Allende takes some liberties with the original legend as written by Macaulay, but it serves as a fairly faithful prequel to The Mark of Zorro, which brings us back to the book that we're going to talk about. So, Ryan, what was your introduction to Zorro? I have been thinking about that for a while, like since in in the background, since the network, we decided to, to kind of do this, uh, the, the Zorro month. I've been trying to remember where I first encountered or discovered the character, and I cannot remember. It mm -hmm. just seems like something that was always there. Like, for as long as I've known the legend of Robin Hood... Um, and, and other, you know, kind of classic, you know, pulp tales or, or adventure serials, things like that. I feel like I've known who Zorro was. Now, the big difference was a lot of those had like Disney animated features or I met them through like other like kids, things like that. Mm -hmm. But Zorro didn't have it, at least not one that I saw. So I, I imagine I had to have seen probably the guy Williams, either an episode of the TV show or possibly the the movie version that was made like the, the you know, combination, whatever it was. Um, I, cause I just think like, I've, I've always known who he was, what his deal was like the, the costume mm -hmm. and everything like that. But I couldn't, I, like, I don't remember reading a story about it or seeing a cartoon of it when I was a kid, it was just always there. I just, I knew him. 
Um, maybe, maybe there was like a little kids, like early young readers version that I, that I came across, but I don't, I don't know. And I, I didn't really get into the character and, and know him until the Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta Jones movie came out. Uh, yeah, that first one that came out, I think I was in high school at the time. Um, and I was excited because I was like, Hey, this is a Zorro from my generation. I can finally get on it on this. Um, and I was a little bit confused because I, is this a, is this a legacy movie? Is this a, like a, re- like a re- <laughs> I was like, it's, it's okay. The, the Antonio Banderas is a character. He's a, he's Diego. He's the older one, but now we're seeing his, his descendant. Okay. So, uh, right. yeah, just, I, uh, so yeah, the, the short answer to the, the question that you asked a while ago is I don't remember. It's just one of those primordial characters from mm-hmm. literature and pop culture that I, I feel like along with Robin Hood and the Phantom of the Opera and everything else, like I've always known who Zorro is. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of I, the, part of the reason I ask is because it's the exact same thing for me. I don't remember a time when I didn't know who Zorro was. It's just always been there. When I was in grade school, I was Zorro one year for Halloween I think I remember it being on TV, like like you said. I think I probably saw reruns of of the uh, of the Guy Williams series, and I think it's just something that I mean after after I mean it wasn't a hundred years at the time, but I mean it was you know <laughs> a long time already. <laughs> yeah, at that point, it's just part of the cultural atmosphere, yeah. and like you said, I think for me it was it's the same thing with. I would say probably like the Three Musketeers or Tarzan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you know these are just he- these are just characters and heroes that were just always there. Well, I, and like them, I think there was something about them that uh, appealed to the kids because there's the swashbuckling nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the, the fact that he's got a sword and he rides around on a horse. It's just that's just something <laughs> right. that exciting. That I mean. If you're a kid of a of a particular like story and fascination type of inclination that we are, I mean, you're gonna connect with that at a very young age, and it's gonna resonate. Right. I don't. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood where kids picked up sticks and just started whacking at each other. Absolutely. Yeah. We yeah. like my my brother and I. We had like plastic wiffle ball bats <laughs> that we would we like put like duct and electrical tape around the bottoms to make them look like black and silver lightsabers. Yeah. <laughs> like lightsaber yeah. and everything. And, like and yeah, like I, I've always been like sword fighting has just been the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I remember it was always it was almost always Zoro that someone was pretending to be. I mean, and of course, later on, Conan became a big thing. And so all of a sudden, you're, you're hack and slashing more than you're fencing <laughs> at that point. But Zorro has always been Zorro. And I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but, you know, I'm, I am Latino and grew up on the border. And I, I think I mentioned this before, but I mean, I was, if I got on my roof, on the roof of my home, of my childhood home, I could see Mexico. I mean, I was that close. Mm. And my dad was a part of the of the whole Chicano movement, and you know all that. So you know, I was I was already steeped in in cultural kind of things. So Zorro, as he is in fiction, was kind of a hero for the people, for the Latino community also, if that makes sense. Just mm-hmm. because this mm-hmm. was this was a Mexican hero, which in 1919 is an incredible thing. And and a a populist hero, as we're going to talk about. I mean, despite the fact that he come, he's he's from a, a wealthy nobility family and everything. He's he's fighting for the people, for the disenfranchised. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Zorro has that connection to Batman, which we're, I'm going to you know ask you about since you since you run a Batman podcast. But you know, one of the heroes that he really reminded me of was Golden Age Superman. Yes, because he he. You know, Diego de la Vega, who's who is Zorro, is sent away to to Spain by his father. And just so we know that Zorro is based in Southern California on the along the Mission Trail and in what would eventually become Los Angeles. So he's sent away to Spain for four years or so, and then he comes back. And when he comes back, he's shocked at the corruption that he sees. And and that is what inspires him to put on a mask and you know, basically terrorize the rich and powerful along the Camino Real. Mm-hmm. That just seems very classically heroic to me. A- 
Absolutely. And I mean, once when we actually get into, you know, talking about the story itself, like that was one of the things I mean, I, I knew and you brought it up. I knew that there were certain like parallels between Zorro and Batman, and it's become kind of a modern thing now. This um, this trope, it's it's sort of understood. It stood it's part of the continuity now that Bruce Wayne and his parents were going to see a Zorro movie. At mm-hmm. some point, the night that Thomas and Martha Wayne were gunned down in the alley um, and that sort of sense memory imprinted on young Bruce and may have contributed to the fact that he became this costumed crime fighter uh, and took on. And that, that's something that's really only only been established, I think, in the 80s. It might have it might have originated in Batman year one or, or the Dark Knight Returns. Maybe it was a Frank Miller idea who kind of solidified it. Uh, and then there was a. There was an issue of Detective Comics, and I can't think of the name, but I can think of the cover because it's got Commissioner Gordon and Sarah Essen, I think, or his ex-wife, sitting in a movie theater watching a movie. And it's a, it's a Norm Bray Fogel issue, but I can't think of the name of it uh, or the, the issue number. But uh, yeah, so it, it has sort of become this thing where Batman is partially inspired by Zorro within the world of the comics. But, yeah, just as you were saying, I mean, when I'm reading this thing, as I'm learning more about Don Diego Vega, I'm seeing these parallels to not just Bruce Wayne, but Clark Kent as well. And, mm-hmm. and you can definitely see because Macaulay makes it very clear that this his Don Diego is kind of a foppish kind of spoiled Brad who doesn't really take anything seriously. And you can, you can look at detective comics 27, the first appearance of Batman when Bruce Wayne is just chilling in his house, like talking to commissioner Gordon. And it's the same thing as Don Diego talking to Sergeant Gonzalez mm-hmm. uh, or, or, you know, just kind of like where he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. He's like, I crime, you know, I, that's not really my thing. I don't, I don't really, you know, understand all the things you're talking about. But meanwhile, he's subtly pumping him for information and he's pretending to be aloof and, you know, doesn't really care about any of these things, doesn't take anything seriously because he's got all the money in the world. So right. he has no he has no problems. But through this conversation, he's learning, OK, who are the cops looking for? What's going on in the world? Which, you know, which syndicates am I going to does the Batman need to go after? You see that. And that's really evident. And like as a Batman fan, I'm reading this. I'm like, yep, this is exactly what Bruce Wayne was doing from the get go, from the first appearance of Batman. I also I see the connection to Superman and Clark Kent in the way that this this like I was really surprised at how Macaulay made Diego kind of contemptible in the eyes of his peers. <laughs> yes. Like oh, he yeah. was so committed to the disguise of of not letting anybody suspect that Diego might be Zorro that he had to make sure the the people even the, the his love interest the woman that he wants to marry has such a low miserable opinion of him <laughs> and his what he, he would call his masculinity his manhood it's just amazing and i'm like this is mild-mannered clark kent this is the reporter that lois lane teases and the guy who has to pretend to get a like he, he's a like queasy in the stomach like he's gonna have an attack of diarrhea at the sign of <laughs> drama trauma or something like that and that's his excuse to sneak into the closet and turn into superman so i was just fascinated i was like this is where the superheroes came from the 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 whole genre the dc guys superman and batman they came from zorro and it's in the first couple chapters i was blown away by that of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, but yeah, it just you can see how this is a template for really every masked hero that comes after. Or I mean, and I mean, yeah, people talk about the Scarlet Pimpernel, but you know, the, all the all those tropes really kind of solidify in Zorro. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like you said, the really the only reason people put up with with diego is because he's rich <laughs> i mean yeah. like super rich <laughs> and one of his best friends is is sergeant gonzalez who is you know this big boisterous violent uh soldier who really kind of puts up with diego because uh diego buys the wine right um, <laughs> you know but like you said that's kind of what is so clever about it i mean and it, and it seems it seems less clever now just because we're so used to it. But at the time it was, it made so much sense that this guy would act completely out of character in order 
to get all the information that he can because no one takes him seriously. So no one cares what they say. Right. And, and like Clark Kent and Superman, no one would ever, ever think that Diego de la Vega is Zorro. Right. Ever. And it's, it's interesting because in parts of it that I read and, um, and I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into it or not, but there are parts where it almost sounds like people suspect Diego of being gay Mm-hmm. Uh, because his his foppishness is to the point where he even says, "I'm not interested in." He's not he's not interested in in roughhousing. He's not interested in sword fighting. He's not interested in gambling, and he's not interested in women. All he wants to do is stay at home and lounge in the sun like some giant cat, and <laughs> and and be left alone. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that is just so interesting to see it um, uh, with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. They they make a big deal like how and like even like so the whole thing like when he's going to court Lolita he because he said his father Don Alejandro needs him to get married so he go he approaches uh, her father Don Carlos and when he finally talks to her he's just very matter of frank he's just like yeah I need a bride my, or my dad's gonna disown me what do you say right. we get hitched and it's basically right. that's what it amounts to and she's like. Have you ever courted someone before? Have you ever? This is not how it's done, and and everybody's trying to. It's like you know, women they like to be wooed. You know, they like to, and they're. It's this. They Macaulay does this thing like talking about you know masculinity and what this, and it's. I I found it interesting because with looking at it from 2020, I was like, are we going to go into this idea of machismo and is this going to be sort of toxic masculinity? And no, it's really not anything like that because they're still talking about how like you need to, you need to convince a woman that you're serious through these demonstrations and these big lavish acts of, of romance and dedication. And it's still, you know, he's not buying her from Don Carlos. She still has say, and she has agency and she's saying, I don't want anything to do with this guy. He's kind of a joke. He can't, he doesn't like, he, he doesn't, he doesn't love me enough to like sing a song or mm-hmm. or just like pledge his devotion or anything like that he just he sees it as a transactional thing and they are so just contemptuous of that but because of don carlos's financial predicaments and and the fact that he's right. kind of on the outs with the governor he's pushing for this thing and even when when don diego tells his father alejandro he's like what the hell kind of son have I raised? He's like so disgusted <laughs> in his own son. Like the fact that Diego has to like perpetuate that deception in front of his father right. is like the thing. Like his like oh that's that is a killer thing. But that brings us to an aspect of the book that I I uh, really appreciate. Diego seems to be having fun with all of this. Mm-hmm. He 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 really seems to enjoy pulling one over on everybody of putting on this ridiculous. Uh, show for everybody and then being able to go out and get on his horse and fight evil essentially mm-hmm. and th- this is a very you know to to uh to crib shag a little bit it's a very joyous book in a lot of pulp books you'll see um kind of a super serious tone you know you're mm-hmm. supposed you're supposed to take the hero very seriously and they, they don't laugh and they don't, uh, you know, they're serious about their war on crime. And Diego is just, you know, as Zorro is just having a hell of a good time. <laughs> and, you know, and I think that's one of the things that's so appealing about the character in general mm-hmm. is that he is a charmer and he yeah. is the, the laughing bandit. And uh, the book itself is such a pleasure to read. It's a, it's a quick read. And it surprised me with how much action it has. I mean, like from the first couple of pages, there's there's action, mm-hmm. and how lightly it takes itself. I mean, it takes the story seriously. I mean, it's a fun adventure story, and but it's not trying to be more than that. I think, right. but it does it very very well. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's it's got the terms like you're right. Like the hero is everything you look for. He's dashing he's charismatic he cares about people he cares about romance he's he's a poet and a lover um but he's also uh, very bold and daring he can handle himself in a fight he's cunning i mean he's the fox i mean that's the, mm-hmm. where the word comes from so he's he's cunning and he's he's the smartest guy in the room 
um, and the the villains. I mean, you got Captain Ramon and um, and the governor eventually. Uh, and then to a, to an extent, Sergeant Gonzalez is a villain in that he's he's sort of going he's pursuing Zorro. But from the beginning, from the first chapter, when they have their first duel, you know that he's not a serious <laughs> yeah. threat. Um, right. He, he sort of represents the the police and the soldiers who are going after him. But if he is the if he's like the extent of, of their might, then you kind of know he's not really up to snuff. So at the end, when he just sort of is forgiven and kind of and, and basically at Zorro's side by the end of it, it's like, OK, right. whatever. He's sort, of, he's sort of like the Harvey Bullock, if the Batman analogy. <laughs> exactly. So you, you had mentioned how you um, sort of came to Zorro or how Zorro came to you, I guess, in a sense. You were saying that you didn't really have much exposure to Zorro until the uh, Antonio Banderas movies, right? Yeah, that was the first time I, I really, I saw, well, I, I, had, I knew, I must have seen, I think the Guy Williams version, or maybe a Tyrone Powers movie or something like that. So I, I think I had seen some version of him, but I don't remember. And I remember being kind of older because when the Antonio Banderas version came out, I remember thinking, here's a Zorro from my generation. Um, and I like that movie. I, I, I rewatched it actually about a month ago, and I, it's, it's very entertaining. I like that. I also watched the the Guy Williams one, um, which I think is available on Disney Plus. I'm trying to think, I still I never read this original one at the time, and um, I remember seeing the Isabel Allende novel in on the bookshelves and, and being really intrigued, but for some reason passing on it. But when it came out, I got uh, the uh, IDW published the Zorro Year One Trail of mm-hmm. the Fox, and I got the hardcover version because it was—it's basically that story translated um, by Matt Wagner uh, script, and the art was by Francesco Francavia, who's probably my favorite living comic book artist today. Yeah. Um, yeah and sure. I and I just I love that story, so I yeah, I had a blast reading that one. Yeah. Well, now that you've read the Macaulay novel, do do you think it's going to color how you see? Uh, some of your favorite superheroes now? Um, I don't think so. I mean, on, only in the way it provides me a little bit of context for kind of like lo- looking at those original Golden Age stories and, and where they were coming from, which I think I I knew maybe intellectually, cerebrally, but now actually having the the material in hand to compare, I, I, I see that. Um, what actually felt a little bit, and I'll, I'll get to this when we talk about the passage that I want to read. I mean, a couple of things about this particular text that I keyed in on that surprised me. One was the fact that as as Macaulay describes him, Zorro wears a full face mask. Right. Uh, it, it's not like the sort of like bandito mask or whatever that just goes across the eyes and everything like that. And you can see his shit, which when you dramatize him, you have to do it because – the audience wants to see the actor's face. Mm-hmm. Um, but according to the text, that's not the case. His mask covers the whole face. He has to lift it up if he needs to eat or kiss Lolita or, or do right. anything else. Uh, so that was an interesting. I, I wonder how readers might have taken it back in you know 1920 or 1919 or something. What surprised me was Macaulay does not confirm that Zorro is Don Diego until the last chapter when he unmasks. Right, like, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, like there, there's never like a hint. Like every time it's like, oh, here, here's Don Diego. He's in this room. He makes up some reason. He has to leave. He's going to bed or he has to get on his horse and go away. And then two minutes later, hey, Zorro's here for some reason. Oh, strange <laughs> that these two people are never in the same location at the same time. Sort of like hmm. that Superman trope. Uh, right. weird, weird how they just happen to miss each other. Um, so that, you know, that was something that informed me. But even though if you're of a mind to kind of read between the lines, yeah, that's obvious, but Macaulay never confirms it. He never gives you an overt reason to suspect. He never has like, like he never gives you like what's inside Don Diego's mind. Like he's thinking about, Oh, when I come back later as Zorro, I'll do this. He never tips that off until the very end. It's not until Zorro unmasks and the whole crowd is like, dude. (laughs) So I just kind of wonder like, could audiences have been reading this the whole time and they'd be just as surprised? I can't imagine that was the case, but maybe. yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that much of a mystery. And when, when, you're, yeah. when you're, but at the same time, I was, you know, because I had the same thought, and I was thinking, I wonder how much of this is colored just because I know, 
I already know. I mean, if I had been reading this just dropped from space and, and someone handed me a Zorro novel, you know, how how long until I said, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, these two, how, how do these guys never connect? But, you, but yeah, it's... Um, and, and I think, like, the whole thing is, like, and the only reason why you might not suspect it is just because after Diego, you know, tries to court Lolita and she just brushes him off, she's like, dude, you are totally not the guy I'm into. into. You know, right. like, you are not nothing at all like the kind of man I want to marry. Then Zorro shows up that night after she's fallen asleep. And it's like, if, if Diego really wanted a partner, why wouldn't he just confide in her the whole time? Like, what? Mm-hmm. why was this ruse necessary? Well, I guess he was just playing the part for his father. Right. Yeah. And, and I think something to keep in mind is that it was originally it ran as a serial, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a, as a five part series. And, you know, I, I wonder if that kind of helped throw people off in, instead of, you know, it's the difference between getting a single comic issue and, and the trade. Right. You know, if I wonder if that kind of helped or if people were just along for the ride, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, it's it's a pulp cereal, you know, and that's, that's what and that's what people are looking for. But, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was it was a kind of a, a neat little idea because yeah he could have easily have said oh th- this is his secret identity and uh, this is how he's going to behave in front of certain people and when he's not being a hero this is you know and he'll be like this it could have been very easy for him to do that and instead it's like Macaulay gave himself that little extra hurdle of trying to keep this mm-hmm. semi obvious secret to him from his he, readers. M- Macaulay approaches it he he until the last chapter he tells the story as if they are two different characters mm-hmm. who can never be in the same room at the same time and it's funny the, because diego the character of diego is always like oh thank goodness i was i didn't have to see that yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like oh he's like oh man that, it's like can i i can't get enough of this zorro why do you, can you people talk about anything else I was just in the, the, you know, the whatever, the Rihanna de Los Angeles, and I hear you talking about Zorro. Right. <laughs> he, he plays the character well. That is yeah. true. When you saw the Antonio Banderas movies, did that make you want to seek out more about Zorro? I uh, probably not at the time. I mean, I just it, it wouldn't have made me want to read more, and I just I don't remember there being a comic book adaptation at the time, which was probably the media that I would have sought it out. Yeah. I, I probably just wouldn't have wanted to seek out the older TV shows or the older movies at the time. Cause where I was at in my life at that point, I would have said, well, oh, those are old. Those are black and white. I'm not interested in those. <laughs> I, would, I, would have been, I wouldn't have been as interested. I would have wanted more. I would have wanted them to rush a sequel out like the legend of Zorro when that came out a few years later. I, I don't think it led to me pursuing more uh, Zorro stories as much as it just sort of fostered my childlike love for swashbuckling, you know, swordplay fencing. You know, I, I probably went home and watched um, The Princess Bride again because I had the, I had the VHS mm-hmm. of that. Actually, that I remember when I saw that. I knew that Wesley slash the Dread Pirate Roberts was dressed like Zorro, but without oh, yeah. the hat. Right. So I, I, I mean, uh, that was that was in the late-ish 80s, and I saw that pretty early on. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. When I when I saw that, I I knew who Zorro was, and I knew that he was dressed and acting like Zorro without the hat and the cape. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I, you know, as far back as that, like I, I had that impression. Yeah. Right. Now that you've read Macaulay's novel, is it going to work on you like it did on on the audience of the 1920s? Does it make you want to read more about Zorro now? Yeah, actually, and I would be, I would, I, if I have the time, which is, you know, the ultimate caveat, um, I I do, again, I want to seek out the Isabella Allende novel and possibly other Macaulay Zorro stories too. I definitely, I mean, when we first talked about, you know, this idea, um, I, I looked up and I watched the, the Antonio Banderas movie again and the Guy Williams one. And I see that one of the cartoon series is available for streaming. I might check that out. Um, it's definitely, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, I was, as I'm reading this, I was like, I do, I do want to see more of Zorro in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially, and, and I, again, getting to the, the ultimate point again, I feel like this is a character that resonates more today than he might've when I was a kid. I was going to ask you about that. Why do you think Zorro has endured for this long? Why do you think he's stuck around for more than a century? And, and what is it that you, that you think appeals to people? That appeals to audiences. 
a couple of things and the the dramatic appearance can't be understated he's just got a cool look mm-hmm. you know he, he dresses in all black he's got a mask and a sombrero and a cape and a sword and he rides a black horse that's right. cool looking i mean that's just you know that's that's i mean that's just it, it cuts a nice silhouette it's awesome uh so tornado yeah yeah that something as simple as that goes a long way um the fact that he's a vigilante the fact that he works outside the law to combat corruption and, and a broken system within the law is a big deal that like uh, it's the same reason batman has endured and the same popularity mm-hmm. um now i i used to make this point um in fact, I was talking about with another podcaster a couple of years ago that I didn't think Zorro could translate very well into a modern story. I thought any Zorro story had to be set a hundred years ago or so because of the geopolitical nature of mm-hmm. where California and Mexico was at the time. I didn't think you could separate that from who the character is. So I was like, put Zorro on a motorcycle or something. It's, it's not going to work. It's not <laughs> the same deal. Uh, right. he, he has to be back then. But <laughs> mm-hmm. like looking at the relations with our, our current U.S. borders with Mexico, right. um, I can see a new, a modern story of Zorro protecting people from ice raids Mm-hmm. Um, li- leading a liberation coyotes, of a camp yeah. where uh, coyotes, yeah, but liberation of a of a camp where the children are mm-hmm. are held in cages and stuff like that, and Zorro storming one of those with his with his brigade, his League of Avengers, and freeing those people and leading them away, uh, and leading this high speed chase uh, with um with a border patrol or something like that, with like local militia guys and pickup trucks chasing him down and everything. Well, yeah. I absolutely think Zorro is a man for this time, given our, uh, I, I, I want to watch my language, but given the <laughs> horrible, horrible nature of our relations with our immigration policies and our, mm-hmm. our border with Mexico, right. I think that now is absolutely the right time for a modern Zorro story to be the hero that the people need in that layer in that area. Right. Yeah, I I totally agree because I think much like he is portrayed in the stories, the people that he is a hero to obviously is not the government, it's not the people in power, it's not the military, and in some ways it's not even all of the rich. You know, so, I mean, some of them support him, but many do not. And he is a hero to the people. He he is a hero to the campesinos, to the to the um, indigenous people of Mexico. Diego himself, Zorro himself, is Mexican, and so this is an example of someone helping their own people. A, 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 you know, it's not a it's not a white savior. Right. It's not someone coming in from outside to help you know the the poor you know uh, indigenous people. You and, do. He he is he is a nobleman. He is a caballero, so he's got yes. money. There is the class thing, but I don't think that's as problematic as if it was a different race. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. And that is true. I mean, the the money definitely is the means, but I don't think it's the end for uh, Zorro. And you know, and I think that speaks very strongly to people because that is you know, it's it's someone who doesn't have to help. He, you know, Zorro, Zorro could, you know, Diego could very easily live the life that he is pretending to live. He could be lounging on a chair somewhere on his mega acre estate and not worrying about anybody because, you know, he's rich. What does he care? Right. But he does. And uh, that in itself is, is a very powerful thing. As you're mentioning with the way things are today, I think that's totally the kind of hero that people could need right now. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a hero who just cares. Yeah. How how does Zorro speak to you personally? Um, <laughs> it's before I read this story, I would have thought he he spoke like the the kid in me who still loves the swashbuckler hero. You and know, he that, is definitely, that, and he is definitely that. I mean, he, it's yeah, not, he, yeah, he is absolutely yeah. And and part of that part of me that never grew up, the part of me that as a kid, as soon as I could walk when I when I first saw Star Wars. 
you know, my favorite part of Star Wars has always been the scene with Luke and Leia swinging across the chasm in the Death Star and the music swirls just because they're they're swinging from a rope over a bottomless pit. How how cool is that? It's it's that spirit of adventure. And, you know, that part of me never grew up is still inside me. So I love the fact that this vigilante hero will go up against a hundred armed guards with his sword and he'll he'll fight them off and he'll jump on his sword and he'll ride off and he'll lead them on a chase and he'll he'll win the kiss from the beautiful woman. Uh, you know, the, the adventurous spirit in me still loves that. But today, you know, as a grown man in the era that we live in and, and the mm-hmm. political climate, reading this story uh, and the actual text and the language for the first time, it, it's the populist nature of him that I really tapped into uh, and, and everything that we've still been kind of talking to. This man who who uses his means and his power to bring hell down on corrupt officials, corrupt governments. Uh, and, and uses his sway to to punish mercifully and, and embarrass um, the, the people who abuse the poor, the disenfranchised, the native people and the religious and even like the yeah, just like the people who would, who would bear false testimony against, you know, even even religious people uh, or, or church um, officials and everything like that, that, that they get punished and targeted because of political reasons. And he's like, no, I'm going to take that. And a, a defender of women, because there is a scene when Captain Ramon sexually assaults Lolita. Now it's mm-hmm. the, a 1919 version of that. So it, it's not uh, as, traumatic as you know what we right. see like today is like a, a full rape scene but it's it's blonde in there and zoro is gonna make him pay for that he does by the end um so yeah the fact that he is he is a defender and an avenger of the people uh rising up against a, a crooked state is what i i like now that's the kind of story that i i dig did that surprise you um I, I mean, no, it was something that I knew was specific to him, but maybe just maybe just being just the, the fact that we are living in our times, just having it like a, a bright light in my face, kind of like it's like, oh, yeah, duh. This is yeah, duh. What, what did you think it was? What did you think that meant? So I knew it was something that was inherent to his nature, but just, yeah, just a, a combination of having the text laid out there in plain English, you know, obvious. Um, right. And, and then just, just being a person who devours the news the way I do too. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yeah. That, so not surprising, but still kind of like slap me in the, in the back of the head, like, duh. <laughs> right. This is a book that is now more than a hundred years old. Is it something that you would recommend to other people? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, the text, it's very easy to read. Uh, it's a very fast read. It's done because uh, it, so much of it is told in dialogue and there's he's got a, a, just a, a smooth rhythm of dialogue. It's a fast pace and it's interspersed with sword fights or Zoro holding a gun on people and like threatening them to, to, to confess the truth. There's a couple of horse chases and everything. There's romance. There's um, scenes of you know, him sneaking around a woman and flirting with her. It's a fairly short-ish too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, I, I read like the first half and then just, just to try and keep up. I actually listened to the latter half. Uh, uh, there's an audio book version, um, which oh, really? I got audible. Um, the narrator is a guy named BJ Harrison. He, I don't know if he's done, other, he, he does a lot of audio books. I looked him up that much. I don't know if he's done any other sort of other acting credits. And he did a really good job getting like the different voices. Uh, he, like when he's reading Don Diego, he has this very sort of soft and lilting, <laughs> and very lethargic type of voice when he's right. reading. Why is everybody talking about Zorro? Oh my gosh, can't I can't get some sleep. And then when he talks about Zorro, he actually puts on the accent. He, he has a much deeper register. The one thing that I found kind of distracting was he gives Captain Ramon a lisp. Huh. Um, so that's which, an odd choice. Yeah, which, which I felt like it was just sort of maybe meant to distinguish him and make him kind of just obviously somebody that we don't like and make him mm-hmm. sort of 
they just the nature like the sound of his voice is kind of a turn off or something but i was like he didn't need like that and that kind of makes right. it that created a different picture of the character in my mind than i did when i was reading it right um but but anyway, so yeah, I mean, if if you were somebody who like me who doesn't necessarily have time to read, but you listen to books, I highly recommend check this uh, check the Mark of Zorro out on Audible or in the audiobook version. It's really good, really entertaining, really fast. Um, but yes, I highly recommend. I think this this book, 101 years old, is still very fresh, very accessible, and just as fun as it was. You have a you have a young son. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you introduce him to Zorro, and will you ever dress him up as Zorro for Halloween? I think I have to now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely will. Uh, yes, the answer. I'm not. I I'm not sure how. I'm not sure what his first exposure to Zorro will be. I'll have to figure that out. Either it's sure. a a movie or or a cartoon or the story. Um, but I definitely I definitely want to, and I think he'll he'll get a kick out of it. Uh, and at some point, we'll read this story together, too. So, And, yeah, for Halloween, I definitely think. Uh, <laughs> as long yeah. as there's no racial insensitivity with a, you know, a white blonde boy playing a, a Mexican character. No, as, long I, as, you're fine, I, as long as you're fine with that. Otherwise, I, I'll just take the hat off and say he's Dread Pirate Roberts from, <laughs> from Oh, that's Pride. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am perfectly fine with that myself. You can even draw on the little pencil mustache if you like. I mean, it's, not, <laughs> it's not complete without the mustache. Yeah. There you go. Well, well, speaking of, of reading to each other, uh, you have picked out uh, a particular passage for, for this episode. Uh, so why don't you set that up for us? Yeah, so I I figured it, w- it was a tough call because I thought, hey, this would be – it's an adventure story. It would be great to bring an action passage, you know, one of the sword fights or the horse chases or something like that. But as I was reading the story, I got to this scene. Which chapter is this? Chapter 25, did I tell you? I don't remember. Yes, chapter 25. Yes. Chapter 25, uh, and I got to this, and I was like, this has got to be the scene that I read. It's just got to be this one. <laughs> so it's actually a dialogue scene, and, and what has happened here is Don Diego Vega has gone to the, his father's home, uh, Don Alejandro, and he's told her, he's like, hey, I proposed to this girl. She doesn't want anything to do with me. Can I still have my my money? And Don Alejandro's <laughs> like, you make me sick. Anyway, all of these other caballeros, and the caballeros, which is used, if anybody isn't familiar, it's sort of the the Mexican knight, sort of a, a mm-hmm. person of noble birth, uh, sort of a gentleman. A gentleman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at that point, yeah, it means, yeah, uh, technically it's it's uh, a knight, but yeah, by, by this point it's meant to be more of a gentleman of, of uh, high breeding. Right, right, high birth, yeah. Um, so all these guys, like like um, Diego's like college buddies and everything, they come back to Don Alejandro's house, and they're all drinking, they're all partying, they're talking about what's going on in the world, and Don Diego's like, oh my gosh, I cannot keep up with you guys, you drink too much, I don't have the stomach for this, I'm going to go to bed early. And they're, right, like, and, they're suppo- and they're supposed to be chasing Zorro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were sort of like out, like like they just came up with like this like militia group, vigilante group. They're like, yeah, form the posse. We're gonna look for Zorro. They're not trying that hard. Um, but but Diego's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to bed early. I got a big day. You know, I I have to travel in the morning, and traveling is really hard for me because I'm so weak and lame. So he goes off to his room, and his his mute manservant. Oh, that was the other thing that surprised me. Bernardo. Yeah. is hardly in this book at all. And he's a huge part of like the, um, of the, of legend. the, uh, the guy yeah. Williams thing, the comics, uh, the adaptation by Alex Toth too. Bernardo is hardly in this at all, but Bernardo sleeps outside of his door. Um, basically yes. to wait for anyway, a few minutes later, Zorro comes in through the window as all these guys are sitting around in Don Alejandro's house. And he basically calls him on it. And Don Alejandro is going to fight him. And Zorro takes out a gun and he says, I don't want to fight you, Don Alejandro. And is like, and you men, if you're worth your, you know, your character or anything, you won't let Don Alejandro fight me because he's much older and he's weaker and he'll get hurt. If you are, if you really fancy yourselves men, you'll stop him from attacking me. So he, he challenges their pride. And that's essentially the way that Zoro gets out of having to fight his own father. <laughs> and that leads into the, uh, the bit that I'm going to read. That sounds great. Okay. We're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we will have a passage from The Mark of Zorro. Batman Nightcast is back with new episodes and a new mission. I'm Ryan Daly. And I'm Chris Franklin. The new Nightcast chronicles the Dark Knight Detective's greatest adventures from our favorite comic book creators. What a novel approach, talking about the comics we actually enjoy. I know, right? 
Highlights from this bold new era of Batman Nightcast include... The Joker's Laughing Fish. The Saga of Ra's al Ghul. Is that how we're pronouncing it? Yes. Okay. Batman vs. the Man-Bat. And the first appearance of villains like Clayface 3 and the Ventriloquist. Plus more great stories by the likes of Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers. Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Alan Grant and Norm frickin' Brayfogle. Irv Novick. Don Newton. Doug Munch. Dick Sprang. Max Allen Collins. No, what? Just messing with you. Wasn't funny. Batman Nightcast, every month from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. In 2014, two comic fans joined forces to do a Doom Patrol podcast. As there was no Doom Patrol comic series at the time, they called it Waiting for Doom. That was us, me, Mike, and him, Paul. In 2016, DC Comics became fearful of the power of Waiting for Doom and sought to appease us by bringing the comic back. Uh, That's not exactly how it went. In 2018, terrified of the sheer horde organising power of Waiting for Doom, DC Universe announced a Doom Patrol TV show. Uh, I think they were planning that without us. In 2019, they again brought back the Doom Patrol comic, hoping we would not smite them. Uh, This makes no sense. In 2021, they realised we were the most unstoppable force in existence and released the Doom Patrol movie. Uh, This is pure fantasy now. In 2022, a terrified Motion Picture Academy awarded the Doom Patrol movie every single Oscar, including Best Documentary and Foreign Language Film. Uh, That's enough, Paul. Look, we just love the Doom Patrol and have fun talking about them. You can find us on all podcast places and now Spotify. And check out our website, WaitingForDoom.com, or we will wipe you out, all of you. Mark of Zorro by Johnston McCulley. A worthy bunch of young blades, Senor Zorro sneered. You drink wine and make merry while injustice is all about you. Take your swords in hand and attack oppression. Live up to your noble names and your blue blood, Senores. Drive the thieving politicians from the land. Protect the frailes, whose work gave us these broad acres. Be men, not drunken fashion plates. By the saints, one of them cried and sprang to his feet. Back, or I fire. I have not come here to fight you in Don Alejandro's house. I respect him too much for that. I have come to tell you these truths concerning yourselves. Your families can make or break a governor. Band yourselves together in good cause, caballeros, and make some use of your lives. You would do it were you not afraid. You seek adventure? Here is adventure aplenty, fighting injustice. By the saints, it would be a lark, cried one in answer. Look upon it as a lark, if it pleases you. Yet you would be doing some good. Would the politicians dare stand against you, scions of the most powerful families? Band yourselves together and give yourselves a name. Make yourselves feared the length and breadth of the land. It would be treason. It is not treason to down a tyrant, Caballeros. Is it that you are afraid? By the saints, no, they cried in chorus. Then make your stand. You would lead us? See, si, senores. But stay, are you of good blood? I am a caballero of blood as good as any here, Senor Zorro told them. Your name? Where resides your family? Those things must remain secrets for the present. I have given you my word. Your face must remain masked for the time being, Senores. They had lurched to their feet now and were acclaiming him wildly. Stay, one cried. This is an imposition upon Don Alejandro. He may not be in sympathy, and we are planning and plotting in his house. I am in sympathy, caballeros, and give you my support, Don Alejandro said. Their cheers filled the great room. None could stand against them if Don Alejandro Vega was with them. Not even the governor himself would dare oppose them. It is a bargain, they cried. We shall call ourselves the Avengers. We shall ride El Camino Real and prove terrors to those who will rob honest men and mistreat natives. We shall drive the thieving politicians out. 
And then you shall be Caballeros in truth, knights protecting the weak, Senor Zoro said. Never shall you repent of this decision, Senores. I lead, and I give you loyalty, and expect as much. Also, I expect obedience to orders. What shall we do, they cried. Let this remain a secret. In the morning, return to Rihanna de los Angeles, and say that you did not find Senor Zorro. Say, rather, that you did not catch him, which will be the truth. Be ready to band yourselves together and ride. I shall send word when the time arrives. In what manner? I know you all. I shall get word to one, and he can inform the others. It is agreed? Agreed, they shouted. Then I will leave you here and now. You are to remain in this room, and none is to try and follow me. It is a command. Buenas noches, caballeros. He bowed before them, swung the door open, and darted through it, and slammed it shut behind him. They could hear the clatter of horses' hoofs on the driveway. And then they raised their wine mugs and drank to their new league for the suppression of swindlers and thieves, and to Senor Zorro, the curse of Capistrano, and to Don Alejandro Vega, somewhat sobered by the agreement they had made and what it meant. They sat down again and began speaking of wrongs that could be righted, each of them knowing half a dozen. Mil gracias to Ryan Daly for being our guest today on The Mirror Factory. You can find Ryan right here on the Fire & Water Podcast Network, where he hosts Cheerscast, Batman Nightcast, and many others. Go check them out. It's all good stuff. And thank you for joining us for the first in our special Zorro Month series of podcasts celebrating the Curse of Capistrano's 101st anniversary. In future episodes, the Network Caballeros will be talking about Zorro's comic book history, the classic 1940 Mark of Zorro movie, the Man in Black's Digest comic, and finally the much-loved Disney TV series starring Guy Williams. It's more Zorro than you can slash a sword at. Make sure you don't miss an episode by keeping a sharp eye out for Zorro's infamous Z. The wily fox has left his mark on all of our shows. As always, thanks for listening, take care of yourselves and others, and read a book! For the cunning El Zorro Go fetch my sword My horse I'll ride out there Diablo Diablo